everybody, it's Dr. Sandy Laura Kramer, one of the eye surgeons here at Visionary Eye Doctors, and thank you again for joining us for the EYE show, the podcast where we talk about all things related to the eye and more. And today I have a special guest, Dr. Babak Husseini, who is our lead optometrist, specifically focusing on myopia control. And he's been doing this now at Visionary Eye Doctors for the last many years, has also been working with Dr. Lorena Riveros to help our patients to try to help decrease the progression of myopia. So today we're going to talk about, number one, what is myopia, what are the causes of myopia, and what are the treatments for myopia. And we'll go through just some questions. So thank you all for joining us. Please don't forget to subscribe, pass it on to friends and family, and of course continue to ask your questions. This is one of the questions we got from patients. We get this question frequently. So thank you for joining us. So thank you for joining me, Dr. Husseini. Good morning. Thank, thank you. you. So tell me a little bit about what is actually myopia. So myopia is basically nearsightedness, which means you can see better up close, but you can't see better as well as distance. Typically, we're all born farsighted, and over time, as we grow, along with our uh, eye height growth, we our eye length can grow and become more nearsighted, which we become shortsighted. Um, as in, it's important that we start evaluating this at a young age. Most kids are born farsighted, but if they're starting a myopic at a young age before age six, they're even at high risk of getting into high degrees. So for those patients that are on YouTube, we like to, and you've, some, you've heard me talk about this before, we have an eyeball that kind of is looking in a way we compare it to, let's say, a basketball or just a circular ball, and we have a cable that connects the eye to the brain. And so, as Dr. Husseini mentioned, most kids are born with a shorter eye, therefore they're hyperopic, meaning that when the light passes through the pupil, it's going to usually, instead of landing on the macula, which is what we see the world with, it lands, the, the light, when you're looking at the physics of light kind of converging, it lands behind the macula. In other words, it's a blur when it goes. So these two, let's say we have two rays of light going to the pupil, instead of landing right on the macula as a point, it goes beyond and lands behind the macula, behind the eye, in quotes, and so that means that the eye usually, like Dr. Husseini mentioned, you can see a lot for kind of reading, but distance is kind of blurry. As the eye kind of grows, the light will land on the macula. If it grows too much, the light will land in front of the macula. And so that's kind of a physics kind of question. So mm -hmm. when we get older, that myopia can become more advanced. And yeah. so what are the types of myopia? So there's uh, basically um, myopia, which is usually less than six doctors. It's not considered pathological. The eye length is less than 26 millimeters mm -hmm. in those. When you reach 26 millimeters or more, that becomes pathological myopia, where it increases the risk of problems later on in life, such as glaucoma, which is peripheral vision loss, retinal detachment, which can lose permanent partial full vision, cataracts at a younger age mm -hmm. than your normal after 70, um, and also just in general, other things that can happen, myopic patients to where, you know, either get LASIK or they need to, cost of that goes up higher, the glasses become thicker, mm -hmm. so it is an overall cost. Dry eyes increases, there are some uh, studies looking at choroidal thickness, parasympathetic, and axial length that we don't have conclusive data, but we think there's a, a relation between even dry eyes and myopia. Very cool. So what, the way we grew up, kind of, well, the way residency kind of taught us is there's five types of myopia. Simple, which is the one Dr. Husseini mentioned. There is high myopia, which is an axial length, the length of the eye, and it can be measured is more than 26 millimeters, which is equivalent to a minus six prescription. So those patients that mm -hmm. are minus six, we actually used to tell, we still tell patients to have travel insurance if it's really high, you know, just because if you get uh, trauma in the middle of a 
expensive vacation, you have to fly back for potential risk of retinal detachment. So minus six is a concern. Mm -hmm. And so that's called basically uh, high myopia. There's pathologic myopia. Mm -hmm. And is that does that have a definition or not really? Is it just kind of what we see? Is it uh, more than a certain number of diopters, pathologic so, myopia? Pat well, beyond six, when we can't reach it, it you should go start introducing pathological. But usually when you get to the reach of 10, minus 11, 10. minus 10, mm -hmm. minus 11 or more. So that usually means you have to hold things without your glasses this close to your face to see. Mm -hmm. So the higher degree you call it, so that really becomes a risk for a higher risk of retinal detachment. So that, that's 10 minus 10 diopters. And so again, the light is so focused inside the eye that you have to hold it really close, like Dr. Husseini said. The other causes can be diabetes. Diabetes can mm -hmm. cause kind of an induced myopia. Tumors, if, the, if there's like thyroidism, hypothyroid or hyperthyroidism, mm -hmm. the muscles push so much on the eyeball, they squeeze it, the eyeball actually gets longer mm -hmm. and you have like an induced myopia from the muscles. And then of course, medications. Medications can cause myopia. So what are the treatments that generally are used for myopia? So we're mainly looking at pediatric patients because we do know that there's a problem with growth mm -hmm. and um, also myopia progression. So we're looking at uh, the main treatments are atropine drops, which have been around. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the simplest thing younger patients we tend to give. It's a diluted dilating drop, which helps relax the muscle. One of the main uh, reasons we think myopia is progressing because we have peripheral defocus. So like Dr. Ma uh, Kramer said, that the focus is on the macula. But when we give somebody glasses, we fix the central area of the uh, retina, but the light falls in the periphery out here. So we take that theory by, by relaxing the accommodation with the atropine as one. So the inner 40, muscle of the eye. So the, the, the focusing. The focusing muscle. So it's essentially the focus of the camera. Mm -hmm. We relax it with that. That's one. Uh, it is not FDA approved, but it has been used worldwide um, for many years. And we've noticed, we used to start with a higher dose, now lower doses are actually effective. So we have three different doses, 0.01, and 0.025, and 0.05. Typically, I start in the middle dose for most kids mm -hmm. if they're changing more than half after years. Uh, then do we have... Defo peripheral defocus contacts, which is a soft contact, this is the only FDP treatment called MySight, which helps reduce the focus. It does not come in in stigmatism, so up to a doctor's stigmatism glasses, it's treatable. It goes about up to six to seven diopters. And it's a contact and lens you sleep with? It's, 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 not. it's a soft okay. contact that you use during the day, ideally eight to ten hours a day, to help reduce your myopia. But you can't sleep in it. You cannot sleep in this one. Okay. There's okay. a last option called orthokeratology, which is a lens that you sleep in and reshapes the front surface using what we call reverse geometry. So it actually creates a peripheral focus. Now, orthokeratology is FDA approved for myopia treatment, which means correcting like glasses do or regular contacts do, but it is not approved for myopia management at the moment, but it is being widely used to slow down myopia. The, the main thing is you have to, it's like almost like a brace mm -hmm. and you give, dentists give to kids or a lot of that. You have to use my orthokeratology every night consistently. You can't just take a day or two off mm -hmm. because if you take a day off, your, your eye will shift mm -hmm. and then you get back. So a lot of parents are choosing more peripherally focused with soft lenses during the day. There are also glasses in the pipeline. The U.S. is not present yet, but we're excited that there's technology coming in glasses to create peripheral defocus, but it's, it's still in this study. And, and, but that's available in yeah, Europe. It, in Europe, but okay. it is going to be in the next few years, hopefully, in the so U.S. as well. So the treatment for myopia, partly also prevention, maybe you could say, so, to prevent pathologic myopia would be, of course, the atropine drops, yes. the my sight 
contact lens, soft contact lens during the day, the ortho K during the nighttime. Of course, glasses and contact lenses do not really help prevent myopia, especially if you're doing a lot of near work. So we'll regular, talk about that prevention in just a moment. Uh, so reg regular contact lenses to some extent can because it has the mm -hmm. curvature in the front and back matching better than glasses. And this is where glasses are flat and mm -hmm. contact. So to some extent, even if we can get kids into a contact at a younger age, we've seen some reduction. Really? Now, besides the list, there are so many patients coming who are skeptical about this, the parents, and they're concerned of infection, they're mm -hmm. concerned about the drop, the atropine drops do dilate to so become light sensitive, they'll lose some peripheral focus. Bifocal glasses do not really work unless there's a subset of kids who have binocular vision issues, they're over accommodating and will have relaxed with that. So that's the main thing that we go with. Now, I saw during the pandemic, all these kids coming right afterwards or during, they're progressively. So this proved the point that we already knew that the more you spend time outdoors, the, it does spend slow down. So the basics, I have many kids that I've simply coached mm -hmm. uh, and I tell them come every three to six months and one, I tell them to hold things further away because the closer you hold, the accommodation works mm -hmm. harder. When you sit in a low light area, which seems to be a lot of kids like the low lighting mm -hmm. because the background of screens, um, that's causing the pupils to get larger, the accommodation to work harder, so that leads to my progressive myopia. So hold the further away, better lighting, spend one to two hours outdoors. There seems to be something along the way where the retina relaxes more, the pupil gets small, smaller, and the accommodation gets larger. Now, and, and you need to be doing distance activities, not near. Good point. And these so, are important factors that you need to be So doing. for prevention, which we've talked about many times in this podcast, of course, try to hold things further away. Uh, do not be doing too much reading stuff or computers. I'll tell patients and their children, of course, to minimize screen time because do kids tend to hold it close. Mm -hmm. Lighting should be bright. Accommodation, explain what accommodation is to everybody. So accommodation, essentially, your, your eye is a camera. You have a front lens, which is the front lens of the camera. Then you have the internal lens, which is the focus of the camera. That's your, the lens inside here accommodates. And when you get older, your accommodation reduces. That's eventually earlier stages of cataracts as we've got. But in kids, it's too flexible. Because it's so flexible and the closer they hold it, it internally pulls the eye and it causes the eyeball to get longer. And that would basically comes out to that. So it's the extra focus of the camera is the internal part of the eye. Perfect. So the eye has one lens, it's true, but that one lens can focus and change yes. because of the ciliary muscle uh, kind of holds onto this lens. And, and I've compared the lens to a pillow in a pillowcase. So imagine a pillow being held on by these little tiny filaments that have actually traction by muscle. And that actually pillow or the lens can move. And so that's what uh, Dr. Husseini is talking about when kids or even adults, and I've mentioned my sister when she came to see me in Boston, whoops, she came to see me in Boston. Uh, she was a Plano, meaning she didn't need glasses at all. And by the time she finished medical school, she was a minus two and a half. And that was after the age of 21. Mm -hmm. So it can happen even in your young adulthood. If you're doing a lot of intense reading, you can actually make the eyeball grow a little bit. Even if it's like a half a millimeter, that can make a big difference on whether you need glasses or not. So prevention, trying to decrease your screen time, trying to hold things away further, number two, and number three, have good lighting. Yeah. Uh, anything else? So well, blinking, we would say yeah. blinking, so is, blinking important. is important. You know, because you don't blink, you stare, you yep. increase the accommodation. Mm -hmm. But the 20-20-20 rule, every 15 to 20 minutes, take a 20-second break, look at something 20 feet away. This applies to dry eyes, this applies to eye fatigue mm -hmm. for adults, for kids. 
I emphasize that in every single patient. And computer vision and syndrome, computer like vision headaches. Exactly. So component forth, yeah. Now, one of the arguments is just screen time versus, you know, mm -hmm. going over to like book reading or listening to audio books may be better. We talk about that about dry mm -hmm. eyes. Mm -hmm. But even for kids, I have a lot of kids who are just reading book or drawing that they physically hold it close. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the problem. And I tell them it's not just reducing screen time. It's all near activity. Mm -hmm. So the causes are... All the activity to be reduced. Again, good lighting and going outdoors one to two hours a day has shown to help slow down the prescription, but go and do an activity. So I encourage everybody all year round to go outside. I know it's hard in certain seasons, but have kids go out. Now, mm -hmm. the other question is what time on the day? Intense light seems to be better. So in the morning to midday, so kids who go outside, mm -hmm. you know, doing their activities during school, it helps an hour there. Then you have after school mm -hmm. activities, you do that. There's other studies looking at sleep. Kids who sleep late tends to be what on screens. You mean so sleep, go to bed later. Go, yeah, mm -hmm. yes, go to bed later. So you want to make good. sure it's not good. So, so we want to make sure they go to earlier, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and until so they get a good night rest. There was an article that talked about you know kids who who didn't enough sleep did not get enough sleep that causes mm -hmm. maybe possibly potential mm -hmm. myopia progression. And we'll talk about night lights also because that's a big question. Mm -hmm. So in terms of this recent study which we talked about in previous podcasts done in China which I think was based on 2015 data many, many years ago, mm -hmm. uh, where they took two huge cohorts of kids. And because in China, most kids are on screens and working near, doing a lot of work, about 12 hours a day without a break sometimes, or just a half an hour break for lunch. They decided to give the students an extra break in one cohort of thousands and thousands of, pay of kids. And another one, they kept the schedule the same. And they followed them for about I think now 10 years, almost, mm -hmm. almost been 10 years. Uh, so initially it was five years and that came out that they showed a significant decrease in myopic, myopic progression in China. And in China, it's a big epidemic, uh, epi epidemic problem because as you mentioned, myopic can lead to blindness because of glaucoma, retinal detachments, and now of course dry eye pain as well. So the being outside is crucial. There are now more schools that are banning cell phones in the school during school time and even after school. There's a new one that just came out in the Bronx that people are, there's a huge waiting list because parents see the problem and they see that they don't want their prescription to get bigger. They see the need for glasses. I know the Heights in Potomac, Maryland is a school like that. So there's more and more schools that are kind of pushing cell phones away from kids because our age, the, mm -hmm. the people, the doctors here, we didn't have cell phones until at least after medical yeah. school when I was a resident. And so the kids now, I you know, you go to any stop, stop, uh, bus stop, you see kids on their phone. So tell me about the nightlight, just transition into how, what do people think about the nightlight so, for younger kids? Yeah. Is it dangerous? Does it increase your risk of myopia? So in general, well, well the question is low lighting, mm -hmm. that's part of it, but we're talking about maybe screen time. So blue light, there's not conclusive data. Some wavelengths of blue light is we think it's okay. During the day, you actually want the natural blue light. Mm -hmm. It's more the artificial blue light indoors and screen. So some uh, argument is about maybe getting blue light glasses for the evening when it helps affects the circadian rhythm because they're not mm -hmm. sleeping, mm -hmm. but maybe it might help also slow down something. Mm -hmm. But we actually think blue light itself might help slow down myopia in certain age range, but the data is not conclusive hmm. on that. But again, it goes back to a lot of kids are sitting in dark rooms. So I hear from parent after parent, my kid likes to sit in dark room, the background of this phone, and it's small. I tell them the bigger, the further away, the better. So. I, videos, movies should not be watched mm -hmm. on your that t tiny device. Mm -hmm. Your homework should not be done on the tiny device. It should be further away 
or on, you know, at least in a screen for arms length mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. So this is part of the problem. And what they're doing, they're sitting indoors mm-hmm. on the screen. Mm-hmm. They turn the background light off because they have this bright screen on the face. Mm-hmm. So I think that's more than contributing point. to that. That's true. So and so in terms of the night light during this, like for little kids, like t- toddlers, do you so, have a night light for your yeah, girl? Um, so no? um, you're talking about like in the sleep, like, we, in, the, like we, in the bedroom. So yeah, there's the bathroom. Yeah, we do. And my daughter does not like the dark. So we do have that. But what color is the nightlight? Um, well, actually, ours because a rainbow color. So okay. we, I don't think it counts. But I don't. I'm not sure if that overnight there's any evidence that okay. overnight is going to affect that. But mm-hmm. if your eyes don't close completely, mm-hmm. people talk about people are going to more likely to wake up. Quality sleep is mm-hmm. not as good. Okay. But I don't think that's directly affected. So there's no papers that you know that I don't know of then. But the main thing to look at also is genetics as well mm-hmm. if you already know one parent is already nearsighted so you know that's going to increase the risk if mm-hmm. both parents are going to be nearsighted it's going to increase the risk so mm-hmm. by if two both parents are about one in two kids are going to be myopic if one parent is one in three is going to be if no parents are myopic one in four kids are going to be myopic and we do see the world population by 2050 about 50 percent of the population is going to be myopic and that's probably from screen time screen time because you can definitely cause even if both parents don't have nearsightedness you can definitely cause yourself to have need for glasses by screen by by near work work. work. and and what it is all these kids like you said Mm -hmm. we see i see kids coming here parents is doing eyes on the kids sitting on a phone like this because they're they're trying to keep them busy and my reality is when we go on, and mm-hmm. that's the thing, the kid is screaming and that's mm-hmm. doing the same thing. So when we have young kids, it's hard. Mm-hmm. There's only so much the parents can do in today's lifestyle. That's true. Right? And the stress of it, we're trying to reduce that. So it comes cumulative. I tell the teachers, the parents, I've, you know, principals that are my patients that I'm like, listen, you need to pass this down to everybody. During the classroom, you need to reduce it. You need to do it to educate the parent-teacher mm-hmm. conference, talk to the teacher's parents, and try to reduce the screen time both at home and at school as much yes. as possible. So I think we're hitting a tipping point in this country and in the world where I think for now the last many decades we've all been pushing screen time, you know, learn how to program, especially the kids. And now we're seeing such a devastation uh, on every single country in terms of the myopia a pandemic, pandemic, epidemic, yeah. and also dry eye, which is, we'll talk about that in just a moment, that I think a lot of educators, and especially doctors, are saying, that's enough, we're done, we need to go back to whiteboards, chalkboards, pencil, mm-hmm. paper, textbooks, and we're trying to encourage parents, I know I do, to push to get other parents together to talk to their educators, to not have mindless activities on the screen and really try to go back to the way we were we grew yeah, up with textbooks up, yeah. and pencils and pens and outdoors and outdoors that's yeah. the most important i think that's very important so there are of course now even more uh, schools in germany and the netherlands and europe that have these kinder outdoor kinder you know kind of kinder mm-hmm. uh, wonder kinder or something like that which is like this outdoor kinder mm-hmm. uh school that everything's outdoors i know that's been kind of featured in the wall street journal and new york times uh, last year or two years ago as well so talking about myopia and dry eye so tell me about what you know in terms of the literature on that. So, so um, uh, one of the things I was looking at some of the literature, what this we're looking at basically when we have myopia, more likely for people to be straining in their eyes. When you have strain in your eyes, you're going to have decrease your blink rate, mm-hmm. and that one leads to more dry eyes, evaporative dry eyes, specifically or digital dry eyes. We know that. Now, there is a correlation between your uh, parasympathetic sympathetic kind of relaxed versus like when you're mm-hmm. fight or flight so when your uh, your tear breakup time reduces and your tear production goes down mm-hmm. because you're more in fight and flight and then you're gonna have also correlation there's a correlation between correlative thickness I was really looking mm-hmm. at some mm-hmm. studies looked at that that led to 
more myopic or axial length getting worse. So there's not concrete data. There's, this is still being researched and mm -hmm. understood better, uh, but that's one of the things. Then the, the other part of it is really when we treat all these kids where they're watching in the screen, they're just not blinking. Mm -hmm. They're learning mm -hmm. to stare. My daughter, I timed her five mm -hmm. minutes and wow. she stared at the TV oh, and wow. I was shocked. <laughs> so I walk into the house and she says, Daddy, I'm blinking because I'm training her to blink. <laughs> That's true. Most ophthalmologists and optometrist kids know this drill. Yeah. I mean, I know my kids do. They hear me say blink, blink, because I will watch them and they won't blink for minutes at a time. That's that's mm -hmm. impressive. Mm -hmm. So the choroidal thickness, so just to go through just anatomical, uh, when you talk about the retina, there is that kind of layer we've talked about that's kind of clear, and behind it is the choroid, which provides the nutrition to the retina uh, itself, and you're saying that myopia is associated with choroidal thinning, mm -hmm. correct? Yes. And in terms of what we talk a lot about in, in visionary eye doctors is a myography. So anyone that has nearsightedness, and especially all kids, I'm pushing, as you know, for myography on every child that's on screens more than two hours a day, which is pretty much the whole world. The form, yeah. And the reason is because we are seeing those oil glands that produce the oil drying up at a rec record pace, we believe. Uh, and it's one of those things because not blinking causes that oil to dry up. So always think about asking for mybography, going to a place that offers mybography. Any other suggestions or comments you want to provide for our I think viewers? I think that's excellent. And um, one of the other things to consider is, um, you know, every child by age four should have a dilated eye exam. And this is one of the things. So a lot of kids are able to squint through in that mm. early myopia or get to 20, 30, 20, 40, and they... Past so it. they feel like their the vision's okay, vision's but really okay. they're squinting. And, exactly. And then I have I had recently a parent come, it's six year old, and the parent is like, Well, my kid is passing all the mm -hmm. pediatrician exam. School screening picked up that she was in one eye worse mm -hmm. than the other. And she came in and I did a psychoplegic dilated refraction that lasts whole literally forty eight hours. And no matter what, she was a minus 250, and I'm like, how is she she's squinting mm -hmm. through the and saying that? Mm -hmm. And you know, in, in the school screening, got it, but mm -hmm. the parent was shocked. Neither parents wear glasses. Mm -hmm. And then now we're sitting and talking about it, uh, you know, and, and I am seeing the kid whole thing. So mom noticed, yeah, I noticed that she's screwed because she doesn't like watching TV. Mm -hmm. She just wants to watch everything on the screen up close. I'm like, how long has that been going on? She's like, I noticed it through the pandemic and coming through. And, and, and that's the thing. I was like, well, that was a key sign mm -hmm. for you to come in. If your child is holding things this close and they don't want to watch TV, that's a sign. Even if they pass everything, you need to come in for Good an point. eye exam. Thank you. Preventively, every child should have a baseline dilated eye exam by age four. Most of them know and read the mm -hmm. alphabet by then. Mm -hmm. uh, and if there's any parent who's myopic, definitely by age four. And there's other conditions. They're rubbing their eyes and maybe mm -hmm. they're doing stigmatism, which can cause a lazy eye. We need to treat all of this before age eight to make sure they have good functioning vision. Good. Long Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Saini, for yeah. joining us. Thank, Thank you, everybody, you. for joining us for the EYE show. And please don't forget to subscribe. Continue to send us questions. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day.